Welcome to Chad's aunt's living room. Is that where we are? Yep. Okay. We'll go with that. Chad, uh, it seems like a lot of the time when I reach out to you, you are in meetings. And then when I talk to you, you're like, I've been in back to back to back to back to back meetings today. So let's talk about meetings. (laughs) Internal meetings, meetings with staff, external meetings, meetings with clients, Clients. how to set expectations for both, best practices. The good, the bad, the ugly. What we've tried. What we've failed at. That's worked and hasn't worked. Has anybody really figured it out, though? A bunch of people on Twitter have. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just go there and read read what they wrote. Okay, let's start with internal because that's where the real juicy stuff is you have a lot of opinions on internal meetings i do no i said the world does oh. um you've it's got it I, I did say you do because you always talk about how you've got it figured out tell us how you've structured your internal <laughs> okay. meetings okay. so that all of us can follow what you've done this is the reason i got out of firm running so i didn't have to structure internal meetings oh the truth comes um <clears throat> Boy, where to begin? Um, maybe like the highest level is who's meeting with who. Uh, over the years, I've definitely locked down the internal meetings I would take and not take. In the beginning, I was open door. I was the guy for everybody. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about that phrase. Oh, the old open door policy. <laughs> the old open door policy. Uh, Do you remember the first time you got a door for your office? Chad, not all of us started working on the internet with strangers. I, up until 1231, I literally went into an office that had a door every single day of my professional career. I was, you should try it sometime. Thank you. Chad's got like a beaded curtain on his <laughs> RV door. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good door. Um, but I meant like, I remember the first time I got a door, I think I was 24 yeah. working in an office. It was a public company and I thought that was incredible. Yeah. And that's where I first started hearing the phrase open door policy mm. and all the real fancy people were up on the top floor yep. and I got my first door on the bottom floor wow. and that door was closed. I thought, geez, I just need to protect my time and do the work. Uh-huh. But the people upstairs had an open door policy and you never saw the door closed very often. Mm -hmm. There's something about that. Yeah. Uh, So if anybody's still listening, uh, (laughs) so what I learned over time was (laughs) I had to, I had to like lock down who I could meet with more. And we would have like all hands from time to time when it was like, you know, it was good to get everybody together and talk about that thing. Sure. But over time, there were fewer and fewer people who reported direct to me. And by extension, I held most of my meetings with. So as a trend, that was maybe like the most important thing that ultimately got me out of more meetings was if there's like more than, I don't know, it's kind of like, you know, how many direct reports do you have? If you have in my mind beyond like five people that you have to do those things with every week. It's probably too much. Yeah. I think there was a study somewhere that said like the max that it should be is seven. Like number of people, number under of you. people under you. I forget who said it, but somewhere between five and seven, yeah. there was this pretty fancy study that said like your brain can't physically process that many relationships. And I feel like that probably extends into meetings. Like how many people should you actually be doing that with on a regular basis? But in terms of the nuts and bolts of the actual meetings, uh, one fun little wrinkle that, you know, in-person firms had to deal with a lot during COVID, I think was like, and I did running a remote team was like, what is the expectation of how people present themselves in meetings, like in virtual meetings? Yeah, we video s- conferencing. We like, saw, what we saw that a lot when people would come to a virtual environment for the first time. I think there was a lot of questions. And I think yeah. ways that you can get around that is by starting them off well with not just a handbook, but like here are the expectations of how we work. Yeah. Even just saying, if you feel like there are too many meetings, speak up. Yeah. Or if you feel like you're not getting enough meetings, speak up. I think at different sizes, 
those types of conversations are equally as relevant and as and important. But especially in the beginning, as you're like you're creating that culture, I think meetings are such a big part of the culture that people will either lean into them and enjoy them, or they'll think they're the worst things in the world and hate them completely. And then you have a, a bad culture because you have too many meetings. Um, something that worked really well for us in the beginning, uh, where we started off virtually, was trying to use it as like, we, we never really started with a structure. And I think that was good in the beginning because it helped plant the seed of a really supportive group of people. And then as we got bigger and the company became more older, we realized how much that is detrimental yeah. and structure is incredibly more important in these meetings. So, you know, to go in, for your first employee or your second employee and say, you know, these are the regimented ways that we're going to have the meeting. You might miss out on something that could create a pretty unique culture around how you support those first few people. Like what, what is, what's an example of like how you added structure to those sort of meetings? I mean, over the years, I think we've done things that are good, mostly bad looking back because obviously the current version of what you're doing, it always feels like the best version. Yeah. But I think if you do look back subjectively at what made those original meetings work really well was we used it as a way to, it depends on the type of the meeting too. If it was an update meeting or an all hands or a project meeting or a client, you know, fire meeting or something, um, they all have different structures. But I think just the general weeklies or biweekly meetings, um, they were mostly focused on the employees and less about projecting or disseminating information it was how can we support you and using those those times to like really hear them out and obviously we didn't do a good job of keeping track of issues and um, we thought we prioritized them by just talking about what was the most important but that's why now there's so many of these like systems that allow you to keep these issues together like eos and other ones yeah, yeah. so more simple than that, like before we go into the nuts and bolts of it, and I'm interested in like the mechanics of like, what are like the, you know, action items and agendas and like we can dig into all that stuff. But before that, mm. what is the expectation for how people turn up on video? Like we navigated this, but you navigated this before most of us did. I think that, uh, like I remember our first, we were on Skype. That was the video. Oh yeah. That was the video du jour of uh, 2011 and 12. And um, I think that quickly went into, geez, what was after that? I think we went straight from Skype to Zoom. And I think every company is different, but you picked up on something that I think it's very divisive. Like you find people that make generalized statements that say, you know, video on or nothing. Mm. And the opposite spectrum is video off. Or video, did I say just say video on or not? Off. Whatever the opposite was of that, you know, that's the op, that's the answer. And I don't think that that's like the, the proper approach to this because every, every company has a, a different uh, vibe mm. and some are dictated by security, some are dictated by HR policies, some are dictated by personal preference. I think it's okay to live in the middle. Um, I have some opinions on what I enjoy, but it doesn't mean that that's what everybody else enjoys. Mm. And I think being respectful of the people that you work with is like the guiding light. So if someone has the courage or the, uh, the strength to say, you know, I don't feel comfortable on video for these reasons. Um, it should be totally okay that they're off video. But if you're, you know, someone who is, you know, very pro video and you force people to do that and it creates like, a negative environment for that person. Um, I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze on that one. So I think it's okay to be in the middle um, and to have like open and respectful policies around video on or video off. That being said, I love having video on. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've turned my video off except to maybe take a bite of food or something like that um, uh, on calls for, for probably 10 years or more. Is the expectation different externally if they're meeting with clients? <sighs> I think uh, the short answer is it's the same. I think if you do have those types of um, situations where there really is a good reason for someone not to be on video, you can set expectations with customers externally 
about that ahead of time. Mm. What you'll know who your team is, who they're working with. You can have those conversations. So I think like proper planning in those situations probably goes a long way in removing the uncomfortableness for people that would prefer to be off video. Mm. How do you feel about the video off video thing? I mean, obviously I'm pro video because that's just easy for me and it feels like a more human way to connect. But I, there's a lot of people who just having video on is like an entirely different level of energy drain for them. Where we got stuck was with um, getting clients to engage with us more over video and like trying to get the clients to do recurring meetings that way. We had like a mixed client base where there were some clients we were taking in virtually, but a lot of clients that we'd still had from the traditional, just like in person, you know, sort of legacy clients. And as we're trying to get more people to just engage with us that way, like I'll just say it, like we'd largely said, like you need to be able to like provide that energy and encourage them to engage with us on video because we genuinely think like that is better for our business and that's the direction that we headed. So it was hard for me to, it was hard for me to give leeway on that. Um, and you know, we navigated just like for a lot of folks, this was their first remote job. And I think we're over this now for the most part, but like there was a time when, working remotely was kind of like framed as like a, I don't know, like a different class of work or it was like, there was a time when remote work was less the norm that people would dress up and come into work and then work from home and not dress up. Mm. And now I feel like it's all homogenized and the bar isn't quite so high when you're in an office and people are more mindful of presenting themselves professionally when they're at home. And so like example, you know, we have a, a person that works from home for the first time and they've got like this big, you know, bar at home that they have in the background of <laughs> right. their shot. And right. it's like, is this them being themselves? And like, you know, that like authentic, like this is what I'm into, like this is part of my identity or is that unprofessional uh, and something that shouldn't come, you know, be part of like if, if a, if a staff person is meeting with a client, like, would you have that in an office? Like the, the professional bar to me, the bar of professionalism still has to be the same, but you also don't want to like squash, you know, something that somebody's into if it's not what you're into or something like that. So like we struggled with this. Um, the default was like, if you're not going to be on video, like there should be a good reason to be on video. Should be a good reason to be off video. Yes. Good reason to be off video. Um, but it admittedly like didn't account for a lot of the people out there who that's just really hard for. Something you said earlier around, um, having clients on video or off video was, uh, it reminded me of something we started to do oh, like six, seven years ago. Um, we would ask a potential customer, sorry, in the, in the beginning of the emails that would go out during the sales process. We'd say, hey, these are video meetings. We'd love for you to be on video as well, unless there's a reason that you'd prefer to be off, which yeah. is totally okay. So you're setting the stage, number one, right there. Number two, the, the second call was with someone who's like asking them if they feel comfortable on video, explaining that that's the way our firm prefers to work so we can pick up on cues and you know talk about, like see reactions yeah. and like form those, those things. And then during onboarding and uh, meeting the teams, like the importance of video for the relationship was always baked into those processes. So by the time you're actually doing the work, there's almost no convincing, you know, for sure, if there's a reason they should be on or off. And I bet you because of that one, like effort to make those video preferences known, I would guess that 92% of all calls that we do are video calls with customers with all their videos on mm. and the eight are for like legit reasons. Hey, like I, I just woke up out of bed. My hair is a mess. I'm not, I'm not going on. Mm. Well, like I'm still in pajamas, but I, this is, this call is important to me, like video yeah. off uh, or uh, religious reasons or for the whatever reasons there are. Um, 
like people would be off and be totally okay, but yeah. but you'd know that. Um, so I, I just think setting those expectations early is good. Something else you said around the like setting the 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 preferences of the team members. Oh, trying to remember two things you said in that long speech is is hurting my brain. Um, I went completely blank there for a second. Are you okay? I'm good. Do you need a glass of water? No. Um, darn, it was good. Could you just repeat that six-minute monologue? Okay, and let me, I'll go back and do that again. <laughs> so the year was 1936. <laughs> video was all the rage. <clears throat> the video was all the rage. Um, what would you do in the situation of the person with the bar in their background? That's where it was. Some of our, like, I think this is part of the culture of the firm that you're building. So we were really lucky. We could, from the very beginning, everything was virtual. So everybody had a background. It was always a conversation starter. I love the conversation starters of the backgrounds. Like, yeah. you know, you see some people with the, the green screens, like totally fine. Like you don't want to share your home or your office. So that's like, that's, that's completely okay. Um, I mean, I'm sitting with an RV in the background. That's a conversation starter for a lot of people. Um, some don't think it is, some think it is. It's just, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, some of our most senior members of our team work from outside during the day. They work from their kitchen uh, some days because they have kids next to them. Um, that is just weird. Our, that is, our like, work was made for offices, okay? <laughs> listen to this one. Um, our most senior tax manager has the coolest collection of comic book art and figurines Ooh. and Lego and posters and like really rare, rare, cool stuff that he's collected for 20 years. And it's just all around. And the amount of times he's had to do tours of his collection <laughs> for the people on video. <laughs> and right here we have this. That's one argument for hourly billing. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's great. Like I just, I found like that, that is the culture that has been created. And it's, it's, it's like some, some reasons why people stay because there is not that bar set where everything has to be perfectly polished a hundred percent of the time. And like that works for us Yeah. on the flip side. I've been in meetings with other accounting firms, other, other consultants or potential people where, you know, you're up on the, the monitor in the boardroom and everyone's in a suit and like, <laughs> it's, a it's fine. Um, maybe it's a match. Maybe it's not a match. But that's why you have um, selection procedures. Yeah. I mean, that like type that. like that type of client may not vibe with how your firm is, anyways. Right? That's right. And there's nothing wrong with like having the office and having everything really nice or video off. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. There's just like matching the types of clients with the types of work that you want to do. What do your boundaries look like for who meets with Chad on an ongoing basis? Oh, we're talking like access now. Yeah. Um, I think that like one way to help with this is like to have a role that is carved out where like you have like set responsibilities and like there's people that if the meetings require someone else's, uh, skill set or role, you can like push those down to those people. Um, that's been really helpful as like your company gets, gets bigger. Um, I've done a really bad job of like protecting the calendar and I really enjoy talking to people and supporting the team and supporting other like management team members. You do that to random strangers on the internet. I, I have do. to imagine it's hard to say no to people in the company. Yeah. I have a horrible problem with that, but from a life fulfillment, like today at 40 years old, like I get energy from, those conversations and I'm, I'm less likely to get energy from protecting my calendar and focusing in on work. I, I really like the squishy stuff. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're not doing it wrong. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> I guess if I'm asking the, you know, the calendar protector over here, maybe I am, but um, yeah, I think that not. that's, that's what's special about like you can design a job where you get the most energy out of the things you do. Yeah. How could that be wrong? Maybe you don't want to be right. Maybe. Uh, so I know y'all have done some EOS stuff. Do you are all are 
all of your meetings or a certain percentage of your meetings like uh, to a specific format. Like I know EOS has like, here's the type of meeting you have on a weekly cadence and here's what you do. Yes. Like, do you have definitions for what those meetings are and exactly what you go through? Yeah. Like my, my business partner, Josh and our leadership team and like the EOS implementer that we hired a year ago, we've all worked really hard at following that process. And now like remember before it's like the current version of what you're doing always seems like the best thing that you're doing. Yeah. And like that's where our headspace is because the meetings do follow a certain agenda and yeah. the meetings are four different groups and we didn't do it just for leadership. We did it for every group yeah. within the company. So we've done meetings wrong or like unstructured for half a decade or more. And there's times when you look at a meeting on your calendar and you're like, Oh, how do I say something smart for that? We were kind of talking about that earlier today. It was like, how do you, how do you provide value when there's no structure? It's really hard. Uh. Um, and there's nothing worse than showing up to a meeting and be like, ah, so what do you want to talk about? <laughs> it's kind of tough that way. So EOS was really cool for us because we had never had a structure where, we knew who should be on the meeting, how long it should be, um, what elements were really cool. And like, not to spend too much time on like an EOS love fest because there's, there's obviously good and bad stuff about it, but the love fest part of it allows us to have a quick little segue of like good professional news, good personal news with everybody on the call. Um, then we're able to go into some, uh, some headlines and some data and some rock reviews of like what we're thinking about if we're on track or off track for the big projects for the, the quarter. Uh, and then what I love about this, and you don't have to follow us to do it, but you have a running list of projects mm. and the group prioritizes those and the meeting lead can either choose to pick something that is more pressing to them or the integrator, or they can take the items that are the highest priority for everybody that voted on the items. And then you just tackle them. Mm -hmm. And some meetings you get through one item, some meetings you get through five, but these 90 minute meetings or 60 minute meetings are so structured that like, you know what you get, you know what it looks like before, during and after the meeting. And it does, it, it, it's like you are focusing on the things that matter and you're not missing out on certain things. So if I had to do it all over again, I would, I would adopt some element of that structure where you're setting those clear expectations to people. And like, you see all these ones like tech companies that will do like, what are you blocking? Like what's yeah. blocking you now? What are you working on today? What did you finish last yesterday? The stand we, up the, yeah. Kind the of stand up kind of stuff. Um, we've never had those. I'm sure they're, they're, they're great. Maybe there's some elements that are not so great about it, but I just, I, I love how we feel right now going into meetings and our team is more aware of what's happening. Uh, and they are, they're able to add their issues and have open discussions. So instead of having one person say, this is an issue. And then maybe their manager solves it with them in Slack or something. Now they can go and have this very thoughtful conversation with everybody that should be un involved in that issue. And, and then it can be cascaded out to the other groups for like clear communication, people that maybe don't feel so confident speaking up in meetings can ruminate on issues and prepare ahead of time mm. and share with the managers before going into the call maybe. And just that, that structure works. And I'm, I'm really glad that we went through and like we paid for an implementer to help with this. It was thousands of dollars a day to be able to do that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's paid off in how the team feels more connected. I know EOS kind of has, uh, a kind of vibe of this is a bigger company thing. Uh, what, like when you were 10 or 20 people, like what, what would you say to folks in those smaller firms who are thinking about locking down those meetings or just running them in a more formulaic way? Maybe 
have two or three groups. Like you'd have your maybe your leadership meeting, the leadership level, and then maybe you might have, I don't know, uh, accounting services and tax yeah. doing there too. Maybe that's what what a, what a smaller group might look like, um, and then have that structure of having goals for each group, where you look at those on a quarterly basis. Still do the personal and professional wins. That psychology of starting off every meeting with something positive. So these are L as L tens. Is that what they're called? Yeah. So if you're not familiar with EOS, like L ten, like that's you find a bunch of info about Google that, that. Find it exactly. Um, and then maybe maybe you don't have data that you're tracking, and maybe you don't have your to dos in there. Um, but the other element I would I would really recommend at that size is the idea of keeping a list of all the issues in one place, so that you don't have to be in solve mode all the time. Okay. And you can talk about every issue that's short-term with your team members. And if there's long-term issues, you can group those as well. Um, there's a lot of, there's a few different apps out there. And I think the most popular one right now is one called 90.io. Okay. And that's where you see a lot of the firms using that. It's for L10s? For meetings, for keeping track of the whole EOS thing with okay. rocks and cascading okay. messages and that kind of stuff. So knowing what you know now about EOS, this wasn't something you were doing early days, but when if you're a wee bitty firm, you would still be doing this. I, I take those elements. Like start off with something positive. Um, see how you're tracking with the company goals that everybody's working towards. And then have a section for short-term and long-term issues. And then be able to like vote on those issues and yeah. work through them as a, as a team member. And then, what is the percentage of the meetings that are happening now that are these prescribed format, like probably the recurring ones? Ooh, I imagine probably versus yeah, uh, all the recurring ones follow this method now. Even even when it's just one on ones and it's maybe like um, the integrator and some of these other ones, they'll yeah. still follow the same method. Um, Everything else that's one-on-ones, they won't follow that if it's like a manager and a direct report. But I think this also cuts down on some of the one-on-ones um, for certain roles because it's a chance for you to bring everybody together. Um, where one-on-ones are like important, um, they still happen. But I find that there's less urgent meetings about an issue because you can confidently say, Let's cover this in two days on our weekly L10 mm. and put it in as, as an issue list. Okay. Item. Interesting. Yeah. Did you have anything like that for a structure with your internal meetings? No, I had kind of like gone down the EOS path a little bit, a couple of times and it had just felt like way too big of a lift for like where we were at with everything that was going on in the firm. Um, so no, I like, I didn't, I never, I didn't generally, generally run mine in a very regimented way and it made it hard to, to really like document those and make, make it feel like they were progressing. Like I did, I would do some element of tracking, like the ongoing projects and then revisit that stuff with each meeting. But knowing more about EOS now and we've been going through a bunch of EOS stuff in the accountant community. Um, I see the value of it. Um, what does EOS have to say about more like one-on-one type check-in meetings with folks? They're fundamentally against them. Okay. But where necessary, they'll allow them. Wow. Hot take. Yeah. Hot take EOS. That's what, that's what I learned from our implementer. Now, if that's right or wrong, I'm sure the EOS people will tell me. But um, when we asked about that, it was like, no, no, no. Try to involve everyone. Try to, you know, not have these one-on-ones uh, to keep everybody in the group and just kind of keep them. So do you have one-on-ones them. with people? I don't. No, not not, not a lot. Wow. But other managers do. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll have, I think that's the beauty of this is like, to be too prescribed into something has its downfalls. Yeah. And just like every firm has its own version of handbooks and procedures and tax software, how you do meetings is, is a little different too. And again, I, I really appreciate the value of the one-on-ones and I think so do team members because it's their chance to maybe talk about things that are personal, but also 
like, should this go on the list? Is it something we can talk about together right now? And as long as you're sticking within that, like five to seven person max, you're good. Um, one of the tricks our team members do is they block off like one dedicated day for internal meetings. Ugh. Whether that's good or bad, it seems to work for them. Um, but it's, does your, when, does your mind just turn to potatoes though? When you have like back to back meetings like that? Um, I think a lot, it does for a lot of people. I don't know. I, again, I get energy from those kind of things. Oh yeah. No, you're doing uh, that wrong. I, <laughs> I, I got, um, covid for after zero con last year from a one-on-one yeah <laughs> lots of one-on-ones in zero con and um came back and flew in and we were doing our eos week and i was like dead to the world in the hotel room and i was like i'm just obviously not going to these meetings um so i pulled up zoom you know day two of COVID. <laughs> it hit me pretty hard and uh, i did eight or nine hours of eos meetings and I was totally fine, but I like, again, that's, I like that, that. Is wild. That's absolutely wild. I could like COVID free. I could not do that. Like, that's just, I, so I don't know. I guess there's upsides and downsides. Like I try to limit myself now to a couple of meetings a day and like not go beyond that because I just, I'm a, I'm useless by the end. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just in a totally different frame of mind. And then, when I go past that threshold, when it comes to actually doing the work that I want to do, I'm just like too tired to do that stuff. I don't know why that is, but, uh, yeah, but I think that's a good example too, of like crafting the crafting, the version of that that's going to work best for you. It's interesting. Um, about the one-on-ones in EOS, probably 75% of my meetings by the end were one-on-ones. Yeah, were me just meeting with my direct reports, uh, like trying to pour into them everything that I could, because ultimately my path towards my job getting better was them taking on a bunch of my responsibilities. Yeah. So that was like, um, it was less of like a team or an executive team or something like that sort of thing, as much as just trying to invest big time, big time in what they were doing. Was I doing it wrong? <laughs> Ask the Twitters. Yeah. I, I don't know what EOS would say about that, but I know that. And I guess I have a hard time seeing the alternative. I know. It's like, like what I'm used to is like, these are the people that are going to do my job for me. Yeah. And I'm going to spend time with each one of you and develop you and all of that. One of the benefits that, I mean, I guess you could see this coming, but some organizations are really transparent and some are less transparent about finances and issues and plans for the future. And like, if this, then that type of conversations. And I found that having the weekly or biweekly or monthly, depending on the group meetings, it really opened people's eyes up to the big picture stuff. And I wonder in your situation, if, that wasn't a one-on-one -on -one meeting, but it was a one-on-two or one-on-three meeting with people of maybe similar levels or vertical hierarchy mm -hmm. where they would be aware of the things that you're teaching that other person. There would be value in the osmosis of being around the problems and the solutions so that it's less just direct one-to-one. -one. Yeah. And of course there's certain types of issues that you can only do with the person that's going to take on your right. job. But I, th I think we've opened ourselves up to more of those transparent conversations so that there is not so much shock and awe whenever big decisions are made. Mm -hmm. That might be an alternative. But. Yeah. Uh, let's talk tools. Uh, you mentioned 90 for like uh, tracking I, EOS stuff. But I mentioned like Skype. Skype. That's a, that's a hot recommendation. Chad Davis's top 2023 tool. Is that Skype for business or just Skype? You watch. One of these days, Skype will come back because it'll be part of Microsoft. All this Microsoft thing. Oh, my gosh. No, I think everything is going to become Teams is where we're headed. But, Me too. I feel like it. Um, yeah, so uh, do you record those meetings? Do you do anything like that? Earlier, you mentioned... 
like working virtually was this like different class of work. I feel like, did I say that? That sounds, let's play it back. That sounds pretty, pretty flagrant. Let's play it back. Different class. <laughs> people, people used to approach it with like a different level of intensity. I there think. you go. It yeah. was like this sweatpants version of what you would do in the <laughs> office. Virtual work, sweatpants only. I think we're like, I think we're past that, but yeah. that was definitely like the, Oh, you get to work from home. Nice. <laughs> like you don't have to answer the phone. You don't have to do all these things. I think we're past that now. Yeah, but. It's, true. it's true. Um, that's kind of how I think about with uh, recording meetings. I think it used to be taboo. I, sorry, it used to be. It still has an element yeah. of being very taboo, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially in our profession, even the way you bring it up. But I think, well, I've experienced the last six months where with the onset of recording tools, immediately providing value in the form of really great summary notes on yeah. a timely basis people are being less squeamish about the recording and more pro. Oh, I don't have to do these summaries. Yeah. And I have a record yeah. of what my accountant told me. Yeah. And there's like this switch happening and it's getting normalized really fast, really quick. But you probably of all the people I've talked to online. There were a few times where we would talk and this was in the last couple of years and it would let for a while there, my zoom was auto recording whenever I would get, onto a call with this certain zoom account because I would forget to record some stuff that I was supposed to record. And every time it would do that notification, you'd be like, what's going on? <laughs> why are you, why are you recording this? Like, Stats. you like, what are you recording? This yeah. For? Like, yeah, I feel like you have historically been very spooked from like the, the surveillance. I've always brother. been, I've always been happy, but when you talk to friends, you typically don't record your conversations. Oh, you don't? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. No, I've got uh, summaries of all of them. If you want to see, you're you're doing the recordings off Zoom, so it's it's taking the recordings without the knowledge. I get it. I you get should it. see the database I've got of all the conversations I've had with my wife. <laughs> Let's cut away from there. I do so, some sentiment sorry, analysis and all yeah. sorts of stuff. <laughs> <in there. laughs> you get an alert every time the sentiment changes um there's yeah. some sort of ai joke to be made here there about is. like somebody's consciousness becoming an there is ai but like i think you're right it, it is switching um i was anti bringing up recording to people during the sales process because i didn't want that to be the focus Sukum. yeah and when they come with their recorder I congratulate them and say how open we are to this because it helps through us. Like we're very okay. When they come with, with their own recorder. That's right. Cool. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah that's yeah. like fireflies and like yeah, yeah. otter and all those ones that like were kind of the first ones to come in. Um, I think it's just, it's nice to acknowledge it. I think it's kind of weird. If it just starts recording and like no one's talked about it being recorded before. Yeah. I think today, I think it needs to be acknowledged. That, that may not always be the case, but right that's now, right. That's right. So, um, yeah, I, I hope, I hope it changes because the amount of times of like, Oh, he said this or she said that can be avoided with this kind of thing. Yeah. And if you think about what we're doing, like we want transparency, we want accountability. We want to have like, access to what we're saying not only to avoid future conversations but to get to that quick value like summarizing it's one thing but what's next like creating to do's and integrating with your project management system and like there's a bunch of systems like that that are working on these tools now and i think i love chat yeah. i think chat is the best because summarizations they're better than nothing and they are helpful but they're not complete by definition right. right so That's like right. usually if i'm coming back to a meeting i'm like did they ever talk about this? And chat is phenomenal for that. And control F traditional text search isn't great at that. Cause it's nope. just going to match text. Yeah. Uh, can I tinfoil hat doomer scenario? Just real briefly here Go for it. something that kind of freaked me out the other day. Uh, I think we pretty regularly get on meetings with like groups where there's people that never come on mic or on video. And right now on a zoom call, there isn't a way to know a human from joining the call compared to, a note taker or a recorder besides the name being Jim's note taker, yeah, which you can change. So I've been on some meetings lately. They were like larger meetings where, I mean, and you get on a zoom call beyond 20 people and oh, yeah. half of the people on that will never come off video and never come on mic. That's right. 
And we've all had the annoyance of you have six people RSVP for a meeting, but Steve's not going to come. But because Steve is Steve was invited, his note taker joins. Yes. So then you're like, do we kick out Steve's note taker or not? But like, how many of these people that are not on mic or on camera aren't actually people are actually their recorders? And to- you never know about it. <laughs> Today, probably not that many, but it could become a real thing. There's absolutely nothing to stop people from doing that now, and no. I wouldn't. You wouldn't be any the wiser. You wouldn't. <clears throat> I'm thinking about the calls I'm on. It's like, okay, sales, internal people you want to talk to. Yeah, I, I don't get that a lot, but it could be. And it just depends. Should we go external? Have we covered all things internal and kind of the stickiness and the culturey things? And only thing I would add with internal is this. This started happening at a certain size. I forget when, but. Um, like the more people you have, the more people, you, the more, the more you're going to be exposed to, um, uh, disabilities and preferences and things that you may not have with one or two people. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I remember this, this, this person came and I, I thought it was like, I felt bad that we hadn't done it before, but they, you know, had the confidence to come up and just say, Hey, I actually have a, like a hearing Yep. disability and, and it's like really low and yep. it takes me a long time to process could you please turn on closed captioning yeah by default yeah auto captions i'm like i can't believe we didn't think of that yeah. and and i don't now, know why that's not like by default on in zoom like you have to go yeah. last i checked you have to like go find the setting and with the way the tech is getting better every three weeks now (laughs) like it feels like that is just getting better and better and better so obviously we did i mean that was a big moment of just like oh face palm i wish i wish we would have done that earlier um but yeah that's probably good something that you could start with two people the three people is just like turning closed captioning on so don't maybe don't wait for all of those you know people to to speak up before you make changes um I don't know the last time you went through the Zoom settings menu on the website. There's a lot. Oh. There's a whole lot. Way more than in-app. Way more than in-app. You go in-app and you're like, oh, how do I change my desktop background to this funny cave? And then there's like, (laughs) you know, five or six other tabs. But you go online and there's like. Like a hundred or more. All sorts of recording preferences and like all sorts of stuff. Talk about a takeaway. Like if you are the admin of your Zoom account. Go in, make yourself familiar with the options. You might be surprised at what might be able to be turned on to help your team. Yeah, like globally. Globally, that's right. Okay, so take homes on the internal stuff. Be mindful of other people that maybe don't jive best with the way that you want to meet. Worth worth saying things out loud sometimes, like we're going to do this one-off video or... Here's my recorder, that sort of thing. How do you feel about recorders? You know, yeah. If you're not on video, acknowledging that you prefer video and asking if they would feel comfortable turning it on or not. And then the third one I was thinking. Um, we need a note taker for this. Where's our recorder? Hang on. It's coming. Even at a basic level, consider having meeting types that have agreed upon structures. Because we've all like... We all appreciate an agenda to a meeting, but coming back and saying, let's make an agenda, like that's an uncomfortable thing and you kind of feel like an a-hole. Yeah. So like internally having agreed upon meeting structures where we're going to meet, it's going to be this type. I think that's beneficial. Totally. And if you can send information ahead of time. Oh, yes. That's so good too. But I mean, how many times have you wanted to do that? You're just like get busy and then you forget to do it. But it's it's been super helpful when there's a heavy lift or you're on the meeting with certain personality types that require time to process yes before they show up to the meeting which i would argue is every single person uh i think (laughs) anything like virtually anything you like the place to communicate things is not in the meeting because you can't expect we like we put all these work and this work into projects and all these things that we've been thinking about for weeks and working really hard on, and then we present it in a meeting and expect people to immediately have thoughtful feedback. When it's like, no, you're the one that's been working on it for weeks. Ninety five percent of the time, I think the answer is you distribute that stuff ahead of time, and then the meeting is to like 
talk with folks after they process, like especially with delivering stuff to clients. Yeah. Don't get on a meeting and put it in front of them and expect to have a reasonable conversation. Then. Like, I think there's a real good ego test too, where you might be working on something that has a due date. You finish it, you present it out to your team ahead of time and are like, okay, this is what we're going to be talking about. But if your meeting structure that you talked about, where if you set that this is a meeting type of an L10 uh-huh. or something, and your item that had the due date, which was a big project that might have taken you two months Make to do, shuffled down it keeps getting shuffled down. Yeah. How you react to that says a lot about <laughs> your type of personality. And I mean, there's been multiple times when that's happened to me. And I'm happy that we get to address the more prominent business issues instead of the project issue. Because the project still fi- fixes the project, but it's a three versus the one or the two. Yeah. And you only got to one or two that week. So that's why I kind of like EOS or just the, the idea of prioritization on meetings and not having to get through everything. And I feel like without that structure, we were guilty of trying to get through everything and focusing on that project thing because it had a due date. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Let's transition to external. First pop quiz. What do you do when you get on a meeting with somebody and your video is on and their video is off. Do you stick it out and pretend they're on and look deep into the blackness? Do you <laughs> leave your video on but avoid eye contact? As if, yeah, it's just passively on and I'm not looking into the camera because they're not on video so it doesn't matter. Or do you turn it off? What was option A again? A is just look deep into their eyes so, as if they're on camera. Because that's what yeah. we do is like we look at it and we engage in all that. Or I, B, what I do is I stay on camera, but I don't look at the monitor because it's no big deal. And I'll even almost like pretend that I haven't noticed that they're not on video, but it's too uncomfortable for me to turn it off. Or do you C, turn it off? Okay. This comes back to, so the answer is, for me is A. And I'd love to see why your answer is different than that. But remember in the beginning of this, we talked about, you control the culture of video chats and video uh, with customers from the very moment that you meet with them. Don't forget that. If you don't address it, you're letting them dictate it. If you address it, at least you've addressed it and they're following a prescribed path to no video, which is totally fine. But I believe that the messages that we are delivering are enhanced through cues, eye contact, mannerisms, and smiling or not smiling, doesn't matter. Um, And that's important to me personally. So I'm A all day long. I will sit there, smile nicely into the camera when they're off. Um, But if it's someone that I've never met or haven't had the chance to set those expectations with ahead of time, I'll be the cheeky bugger that will be like, Hey, like we really love to have video on. Is there a chance? Is there a reason why you'd prefer to keep yours off? And half of the time they're like, Oh no, no big deal. I'll turn it on. And the other ones are like, Oh yeah, actually I'm just, I'm still in bed or like, I just prefer to keep it off. I don't do videos, but you get that out of the way in the first two minutes, first minute. Yeah. And you're good. Are you a B or C? I'm B. You're B. <laughs> because I agree with everything that you're saying. And I know that they will connect better with me if I'm on video. I mean, obviously I do YouTube videos and all that where like, I know like they just, the connection is different when they can see you, but I still can't like bring myself to like, like look, look into <laughs> the camera and like, and so I'm, I'm doing more like a looking around, like a not making eye contact kind of conversation thing, which is a really weird, like uncomfortable thing that I've noticed. <laughs> I'd like to see you recording of <laughs> That I do. Because it's like, it's almost like by, it's almost like by looking into the monitor or the webcam, I'm acknowledging the imbalance and like discomfort of the situation. You don't call them out in the beginning, do you? I guess it depends on the context. I know. It's like if it's somebody that you're like really familiar with and they have it off, you're like, hey, Emma, why are you, why is the video off? No, that is, no, I, I lack courage. That is the yeah. problem is that I'm not just saying, Steve, is there a reason you're not on video? Yeah. Or I want to see the whites they, of your eyes. You can always, I like to go the negative. I was like, is there a reason you'd prefer not to be on video? Uh, they, it's easy for people to say no, the whole Chris Voss thing. Yeah. Than it is for them to say yes. Okay, external meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when it comes to the structure of a meeting, like there's certain like recurring types of meetings we'll have with clients, just like we do internally. There's yep. sales meetings, stuff like that. Yep. Do you try to get to the same point where your external meetings have a certain structure that you always follow? Oh, it's a good question for everyone for the for the team. Um, you bit your finger right through that yawn. That was impressive. Did like a good video? No, that was just like you hit it well. Oh, really? Yeah. We don't have a cough button or anything here. No, that's I'm fine. suppressing those. Um, it wouldn't be a cough button. It would be I lost my train of thought button, <laughs> and it would be a toggle switch, so you don't have to hold it down the entire time. Feels like feels like we've done that a few times. Uh, short answer, I think, is yes. Um, I haven't been as close to those types of calls. I know that our team, like on a quarterly or a monthly annual basis, have their types of uh, agendas and things that they follow. But I also believe that like in certain circumstances, like building in for the priorities is also important. So maybe that's still a structure where you're dealing with some of the things that are really important. But um, I've never been a stickler for like, you know, follow this and don't deviate um, if there's something incredibly pressing for the customer. So it might, it might be like, hey, we'll actually deal with this in section four of the call today. Is it okay if we wait until then? And if not, cool. But if they're like, ah, the house is on fire, I can't make payroll tomorrow, of course yeah. you're going to deal with that. So I think that's why like having an agenda where you remind people of like what the call structure is going to be and then give them the floor to say, is there anything else that we should be speaking about today that's a priority for you? And then go from there. And then like that's when the judgment of the accountant or the account manager or somebody comes in and they can decide where to slot that in on the call. What are the what are the on external calls? Are there specific takeaways? Like do you send a summary to the client? Are there certain tools yeah. you use externally? So this is something I think is gonna change with all of these recorders, is not just um the fact that they'll get out quicker, which is a big help, but maybe the structure and who you have on the calls might change. It might actually be cheaper for you to run a firm with these recorders than having someone from the admin team or an extra accountant there to take notes versus having the call. Yes. Um, my hope is that these recorders become more mainstream or built into the tools where people see the benefits of them and they f allow for like maybe you to train the, the, the system a little bit on what the structure of your summary looks like. Mm. That might be nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ooh, like some custom prompting there and how it gets summarized. I like that. You notice how some of them have the same type of headings, like the objective of the meeting was the participants yeah. were the to do's are, uh, Jenny talked about this. Paul talked about this. It'd be, I mean, I haven't used all the tools, obviously, but I mean, I wonder if there's a way where you could say, okay, this section goes above this section, or mm -hmm. I'd like you to add the custom prompting with the variables that yeah. these people are already pulling out from their models. That might be kind of cool. When a summary doesn't need to be a time-based representation of what the meeting was, like the summary is regardless of when something happened in a meeting, it's like, what's the most helpful output structure could be at the very beginning the of this, of, of the summary versus at the end. That's Cause what, like one of the really early issues that's still an issue with summaries is when there's things within a transcript that are contradictory, like you may start a discussion here and make this decision, but what if that decision changes three times down the road? Yep. Like, is that weighted differently? So yeah, it definitely doesn't need to just be like a, almost like a time coded, like here's what happened throughout the meeting No, or, or does it, I don't know. Cause like maybe that progression becomes important if it's an internal meeting. Um, you know, I don't know. All I know is I, I, I would put money on to say that the people that normally send out summaries would rather either not be there or be reviewing the summary. Yes. Than creating one. It is the, the bad version of this is, oh, it's so easy now for everyone to be up on, up to speed on this meeting that maybe that is pushed out to more people. The good version of this is it's not a big deal if you miss it or maybe this recurring meeting. Yeah. This like additional person actually doesn't have to be there. Maybe they need to be aware of the output of the meeting. Right. But like 
you know, a lot of people when it comes to collecting client information, like in a tax firm, like they'll pull a junior in or something like that. And there's like additional value to that from them seeing and being involved in the process. And this doesn't replace that, but that whole notion of, oh my gosh, a manager being a blocker because they had a conversation with the client and the rest of the team doesn't know what that conversation was. Oh, that happens so much with me. I'm so bad at that. Because you do your back-to-backers. That's right. you can't, like, you don't have time to offload that stuff. It's so bad. But to just not be a blocker anymore, like, that's so that's such a great opportunity. That's something where, and I rail a lot on what AI-enabled practice management systems should look like but when your file system and your projects and your requests and all that live in your project management system your transcripts they have to go there because this paradise where the zoom call ends bink 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 these three requests just got resolved and pulled in data from the transcript taking ball the team gets notified don't know what that means the project status changes automatically because the requests got resolved. There's platforms that do that already. Yes. I get excited we're, about we're that. Close. We are close. We're close. I'm close. The so but like I do think the reality on recordings of where most people are is it's still uncomfortable. And the more I've thought about it, the more um the the less uncomfortable I've gotten. I might have said that the right way. But I th- like what it's kind of boils down to me now is if you think about what the objections are, I can tell you what the objections would be for a lot of the clients that I worked at was, I just don't want there to be record of this conversation. <laughs> right? That's right. And do I ultimately want to have those client conversations that they don't want there to be a record of? Like probably, probably not. not. So it's like, even if they object and they're like, I don't want this to be recorded, it's fair to be like, why, Steve? <laughs> what are you trying to do here? I don't want every one of our conversations to have to be on my burner phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I, do, I, like, I feel like I could manage What's that, that vibrating conversation from now. Jason's desk? Yeah. It's the Steve burner phone. So do you ever, go, like, circle back and enforce an agenda on, say, like, a client, like... Or even what agency do clients have to like put a meeting on the books of their bookkeeping manager or or something like that? Is there any structured? I think those are of all the things you've talked about. Those are the hardest ones. They are to get your arms around. Yeah, I don't, I'd love to hear what other people have done to like protect that because you really are protecting your profits in some yep. elements of this. Sure. I mean, there's an argument for and against that, uh, but. I think the more you are setting those expectations ahead of time, the better, but expectations only go so far. Your contract only goes so far. People still want to talk to Jenny, right? They still want to talk to that person and how you respond and who responds uh, in a timely manner sets a really good, version of running a firm that protects that time. So a good version is, Hey Steve, no, let's not put Steve under the bus. This Always is, Steve, this yeah. is with Jennifer. Jennifer is the respectful and she's like, I just need to talk to the bookkeeping manager. Yeah. I have some bookkeeping issues. It's like, maybe you have a process already where you're like, actually, you know, that isn't part of the current plan. Um, let us know what the issue is. And we'd be happy to, you know, address it on email over a time. But if it really requires a call, here's how we can, here's how we can deal with this. And maybe it's sales that does that. Maybe it's the manager of the bookkeeping team. That's, that's addressing these because it's within parameters for them to, to, to operate within, but you get that out there timely and you set those expectations. You don't have the meeting and then try to bill for it afterwards or something. And, that's why I'm like super not a fan of like unlimited stuff. Yeah. That's another topic. Yeah. But um, yeah, a good version is like setting those boundaries to say, if you'd like this meeting, here's what you can give up in exchange for. Like maybe, hey, we can have this meeting, but maybe we'll forgo the monthly review. Mm. Cool. No problem. Or, hey, uh, if you do this, um, I know we really screwed up the payroll two months ago. 
um, totally happy to, to make up for it by doing this or something. And you're just like, okay, now we're like even, and you're like using your judgment in that kind of, kind of situation. Um, but like a really well-oiled scalable firm running operation will be just like, nope, that's not part of it. We're email only. Um, if you want the call, it's a hundred bucks wow. to run this through. And when you put a price to something, I think people put a value on whether or not that issue is worth that or not. Yes. And then they're like, oh, actually, this is okay to do over email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's- a way, Like there's a, there is a lot of value in manufacturing some friction. That's right. But just not too much. I don't know if you want to be that person that says, um, well, your contract said monthly calls, but it didn't say anything about like not asking the bookkeeping manager for something. So like, are you going to push back and just be like, no, or are you going to offer something for price or for like giving up something else? I still like the idea of malleability with removing some services. If you're going to add something and then just using that as a mechanism. Yeah. A lot of this too comes back to the conversation of like, it's not as much about what is the right answer as knowing what you are and like how you've positioned yourself by how you get to your yeah, answer. Like what right? is, what is the system you've put in place to address it? Right. Yeah. Cause like we, the, we, you know, to traditional firms, certain things would be unthinkable, like being an email only firm, like they're, Firms are like, what well, I would never work for my clients because they can call me anytime sure. and all of that. But it's like, you look at all the different flavors of accounting firm that are out there these days from heavy, super productized to you don't even get the same person every time you talk to us no. to <laughs> you text me, call me anytime, anytime you know where yeah. I live. Um, and so like, you've I do got think my burner phone. you've got my burner number. I do think sometimes we get tunnel vision just for the types of firms we've been in and ran and all that. Yeah. But there's even clients that prefer different steps. Like generationally, I think, I think there's a lot of buyers of accounting firm services right now who don't want to have to do a lot of that personal stuff. They just want it done. So like, that's the appeal of some of the more productized stuff. But ultimately, like, I think the right answer is to a degree doing what's going to work for you. Like it all has to kind of start and stop with sustainability for you. There's an element of optimizing for the stuff that's valued most. Like, like not investing a bunch of time and effort into the things that like, don't give a lot of people much value, but like, like really like, um, you know what I'm saying? Like kind of the old value chain conversation of like, if having a 30 minute conversation when you deliver the financials every month is half of the value of the engagement, then you do it. Take that 30 minutes, right? And if talking to the bookkeeping manager to fix one issue that's going to make the next 12 months run really well. Damn take, your boundaries. Take the call. Like, like it is like, it's probably worthwhile, yeah. but then ultimately third, like you get to make the rules yes. and like our, our minds immediately go to the client for whom that will be most dramatic. Of course. And that's why you don't do it is like, Steve again. Steve will never go for this. No. But like, ultimately, you got to design this for like, what does your perfect next engagement look like? Like, that's what I always try to think of to ensure that we're moving and not like captive. You forget the 80% of customers who are following and have signed on for what you sold. Oh, and they do it just because you told them that's how to do it. And you set the expectation. That's right. That's the beauty of new clients. They're like little baby children where they don't know anything like they've never been to a theme park they don't know that when it's not covid you leave the house like they don't know anything besides the reality you've crafted for them that's right and i would love like we get a new client in and i would like it, the team would think it was funny sometimes but i would just be like yep this is what we always do and it's this totally <laughs> different thing that is way better way better yeah. but they don't know any better and then it gets down to the team and they're like oh my gosh I think we just learned that we actually like this approach better. That's right. <laughs> There's a space as you're growing and I'm sure like we'll be after, after we're at this stage is where you get surprised by how much of what you did prior doesn't work when you're just a little bit bigger. Yeah. Whether it's five person or 10 person yeah. increments examples of like, 
You're oh. saying I can't onboard every client differently is what you're telling me? <laughs> it wasn't what I was saying, but yeah. Uh, it's, it's like things that you would never think of. Like, oh, of course we're going to have a training call with the team that we just signed on so they know how to do stuff. Then you get to a certain point, you're like, wait a minute, we've got 300 customers that we're training and half of them switch their admin people over. Now we're like 77 hours over budget for the month on training and we don't have that many people. Yeah. And you're like, oh, at this size, you actually have to charge for secondary training if the person yeah. leaves or something. And it's just like, just be open to the idea that like what you're doing now is great for what you're doing now but there will always be things that come up and having that structure to change a meeting, a meeting agenda, how you're selling, what you're doing is, is totally okay. And maybe even adding that as an issue on your EOS L10 to address quarterly would be, would be totally fine. Yeah. Good meeting, Chad. Bye. Could we get some tea or something? Yeah. And what's your name? Uh, Marilyn. Aunt Marilyn? Marilyn!